Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Mother Teresa, come be my light, the private writings of the Saint of Calcutta, chapter 7, continued. Paying the price for souls. The outstanding work they accomplished was not without cost for Mother Teresa and her young companions in the Missionaries of Charity. The work in the slums was demanding. They had to walk long distances. Their food was poor, and at times they had to beg for it. At the same time, many of them had to continue with their studies. We have to pay the price for souls, the foundress kept repeating to her young sisters. In her explanation of the original constitutions, she wrote, Jesus says, Amen, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falling into the ground die, itself remaineth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The missionary must die daily if she wants to bring souls to God. She must be ready to pay the price he paid for souls, to walk in the way he walked for souls. The aim of the new institute was being realized, not in spite of the difficulties and sufferings, but precisely through them. Mother Teresa did not want to avoid sacrifice or eliminate it from her life or the lives of her followers. Grab the chance to offer something to Jesus, she would insistently counsel her sisters. She knew their suffering would bear fruit. When Archbishop Perrier objected that the life would be too hard for non-Indian candidates, she replied, I would very much like a few non-Indian candidates, because it will be hard for them. And the more sacrifices there will be in the society, our aim of quenching his thirst will be sooner fulfilled. Our work for souls is great, but without penance and much sacrifice it will be impossible. We have to do much more penance than even the Carmelites because of closeness of sin. Challenges did not dishearten Mother Teresa. On the contrary, she impressed those around her by her cheerful disposition. It was a conscious choice. She wanted to keep on smiling in spite of everything and to give our Lord always with a cheerful smile. Overlooking her pain, she chose to spread joy, confirming the resolve of her youth to drink the chalice to the last drop. Now she expressed her determination more radically in a letter to the Archbishop. I want to become a real slave of Our Lady, to drink only from his chalice of pain and to give Mother Church real saints. I know what I want is above my strength, but he who has given me the desire will also give me strength to do the impossible. Your grace, please pray for me, that I may give to our Lord all that he asks without a thought of self. Our Lady was her indispensable companion in the rosary, the simple but powerful means to remain united to her. We are taught to love and say the rosary with great devotion. Let us be very faithful to this, our first love. 
for it will bring us closer to our Heavenly Mother. Our rule asks of us never to go to the slums without first having recited the Mother's praises. That is why we have to say the rosary in the streets and dark holes of the slums. Cling to the rosary as the creeper clings to the tree. For without Our Lady, we cannot stand. On April 11, 1951, the first group of sisters began their novitiate as missionaries of charity. This important step, along with their spiritual progress, gave Mother Teresa great satisfaction. As she told the Archbishop a few months later, the sisters are keeping up their good spirit. There is great competition in virtue. Their only aim seems to be what means and ways to find to satiate the burning thirst of Jesus. When I see them, I feel that the plan of our Lord is being fulfilled. But there is only one part still left. And that is that I would have to suffer much. In spite of everything that has happened these last years, there has always been perfect peace and joy in my heart. Our Lord knows I am at his service. He can do with me just whatever he wishes. Surprising as it may seem, Mother Teresa feared that the many and varied sufferings she was experiencing were not yet corresponding to the promise she received at the time of the inspiration, that she would suffer much. Archbishop Perrier once again provided wise counsel. For sufferings, you have not to look for them. Almighty God provides for them daily. They are not always what we imagined, bodily sufferings and the sort, but interior sufferings, contradictions, failures of our plan, anxieties for the community, for the work, misunderstandings in our relations with other religious or families, oppositions unexpected at times, etc. In the meantime, accusations and rumors continued to spread among the Loretto nuns and the daughters of St. Anne because of her. Mother Teresa confided to the Archbishop this new wave of suffering. There has been a storm in Italy. The daughters of St. Anne are very much upset with Mother Mary Bernard's coming here. I have become something terrible for Loretto. I am well compared to the devil and the work as his work, and so on. Someday all will be clear. I am grateful to God for all. I love Loretto just as much, if not more, now as I did for so many years. I pray for them often, and their persecution makes me love my new vocation more. The remarks from a few of the nuns were upsetting to Mother Teresa, not only because they were coming from former companions, but even more so because attributing the work of her fledgling congregation to the devil was a direct attack on the divine origin of her call. It undermined her whole endeavor and God's tender love for his poor. The conviction that she was doing God's work was the anchor that enabled her to weather the storm. To respond to these falsehoods, Mother Teresa decided to write to the Loretto Provincial Mother Frances Xavier Stapleton, purely out of duty to our own society. 
realizing the seriousness of the situation and the hurt caused by some of her nuns, the provincial responded immediately, assuring Mother Teresa that she would take action. You already know my opinion of your work, which God is visibly blessing. I am sorry if you have been shown any ill feeling and shall do my utmost to correct it. A mutual understanding and collaboration eventually developed between the two congregations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide, Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we hear that Mother Teresa was promised by our Lord that she would have to suffer much, what do we think about? Whom does it remind us of? Well, St. Paul. When St. Paul had his great experience on the road to Damascus, he too, like mother, heard the voice of Jesus. And when he went to see Ananias to understand the meaning of what had happened to him, like mother had gone to try to talk to Father Van Exum, our Lord told Ananias that the man who was coming to him would have to suffer much for his name. He will suffer much for my name. And that is what happened to St. Paul. He lists on various occasions all the things he went through. Shipwreck, persecution, anxiety, inside, outside, all the lashings, all the arrests, nearly drowning, hunger, thirst, nakedness, the sword. He lists many other things. And all these things St. Paul rejoiced because he was making up in his own body what was lacking in the sufferings of Christ. That somehow Christ had left a little bit for his mystical body, or rather Christ in us suffering something so that we could make up what was lacking. He left this for us. And as St. Paul had to suffer much for his name, and as his work was greatly blessed, in fact, it was precisely in these sufferings that many people were being given graces. So Mother Teresa, too, was promised that God would bless her, but she would also have to suffer. And so she's beginning to wonder, when is this going to come? What will it look like? And as the Archbishop points out, these crosses and this suffering are not the way we think they're going to be. They don't come to us the way we imagined. And that's often why we miss them. We miss them because we are expecting one thing and the Lord sends us something else. But let us beg tonight for the grace to accept whatever suffering the Lord leads us into. And so often there's misunderstanding, so often we're offended, so often we're wronged, so often we're annoyed with people. 
So often we annoy them. So often we disappoint others and not even willingly. It's often just how we are. There's often a frustration without any intentionality. There's just something about each other. We don't get along. We don't like each other. We don't like the way we look or all kinds of stuff. And we just beg the Lord that he will allow us to accept these things so that our own lives and our own work may in some small way bear fruit and that we might precisely gain souls as we too make up for what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.